Okay. All right. Hey, thank you. Well, that was worth the drive from Columbus. Thank you so much. It really was. I, I have enjoyed uh, both services so far. Uh, it's been amazing to see new faces. I was here just a while ago, it seemed like, and I came back, and not only do you have this amazing new worship center and the new uh, student center over there, but faces I don't even recognize. So I can't wait to meet some of you afterwards, um, after the service, and I want to say you're pretty smart. If you have joined uh, Journey Church here in the last couple of years, you've made a really, really wise decision, as other folks have found. This is truly an exceptional church. Uh, we're, we're just so thankful. Uh, can you put your hands together for Pastor Ken and Carrie and the leadership? Man, wow. Amazing. I, don't, I know Carrie had to step out. I think I have her stand. Is that probably correct? So I'm going to go ahead and there we go. All right. Although the older I get, the farther down this has to go because I need to see a little more distance. And, of course, uh, as Ken said a few moments ago, especially for visiting today, if you haven't met some of the leaders, uh, volunteer leaders and staff members who are here, uh, this is a really uh, amazing congregation. Uh, it's good to see Aaron and Lauren uh, Pippen today. I've known them for a long time as well, and we love them, and uh, you're just really, really blessed. Um, nobody has thrown a tomato yet at me, and I'm really grateful for that um, because maybe some of you haven't connected the dots. Um, I work at the office that kind of came in here and scooped Megan Boyle out and uh, wanted to see her bless the rest of the state. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for your investment uh, in the rest of the state of Ohio. As Ken said, yes, there are 280 churches, and we're all what's called Voluntary Cooperative Fellowship. And that means we recognize there are some things that we could never dream of doing all by ourselves, so let's partner together, but yet let's have each church do what the Holy Spirit leads them to do in their zip code, in their community. So you don't see me here every Sunday, and that's because we're not wired to run churches. What we're wired to do is to celebrate and encourage all these churches doing what they're doing together, and then uh, see what we can uh, come together and even raise the bar for the sake of our state. Uh, so it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I wish I could be here next Sunday. I can already tell there's going to be some amazing stories of life transformation as a result of your collective efforts. It just, it, it never returns void. You're going to preach the word of God. You're going to do it with excellence, which is going to happen. And you're going to be praying about it. Like, I mean, watch out. You are following the recipe to see not only a person change, but to see a family, a household, possibly a whole uh, street, a uh, network of families. So thank you for taking seriously your call from your pastor and uh, God bless you for what's happening next week. Well, today, I want to uh, draw our attention to a couple of passages from scriptures that I think would be really encouraging for you this week as you pray, uh, as you believe. And, and we, we can smile now about the thought of our friends and our neighbors and other people coming to know Jesus. But there's also some hearts that are breaking because there are lost ones, and it's not just a nice additive. You know things are headed in the wrong direction. They already are. There's heartbreak ahead. There's more heartbreak ahead unless some of these family members and friends turn their lives over to Jesus. It's, it just couldn't be more serious. And so while we do that today and think about the seriousness with which God if our hearts are concerned and our hearts are breaking, imagine the heart of a Heavenly Father 
who is saying, yes, yes, let's, let's do this. You put your faith together. Let's see all of the heavenlies uh, go to war. That's what Scripture says. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, even though sometimes it's those people that cause us so much heartache. What's going on really is a struggle that we can't even see. And God is winning. He's prevailing. And he invites us to join him uh, in that major battle that we are believing for major victories next week. So I want to talk to us today about a verse that many of us have heard over and over again, probably memorized. It's probably one of those verses that you could just say by heart because whether or not you knew you memorized it, you've heard it so often you have. It's Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. And I've titled my talk today called The Smile of Heaven. I want to encourage you about the power, the influence that God has given you to experience the smile of heaven. He's given us the secret. He's given us clearly the recipe for enjoying his smile on our own lives, his smile on our, our family, his smile on our church, and his smile on our community. What does Psalm 37, 4 say? Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I like that. I especially love that last part, right? God will give me the desires of my heart. I mean, is this Easter or is this Christmas? Come on, this sounds pretty good. Lord, I desire that yesterday's snow flurries were the last white stuff coming down from the skies for a long, long time. That would be my desire. Yesterday, I don't know about here, but yesterday in Columbus was kind of like the end of a season sale. There, you know, just it was spits, you know, just whatever the clouds had left. That's what we were getting. It was snowflakes and then it was hail. It was just all over the map. <laughs> Hopefully that's the end of this season. Desires, really? There is a car I've got my eye on right now. And what what is this about? Desires. God will give me the desires of my heart. Well, clearly, this is an if and then statement, though you don't see those words in the passage. It starts out with the most important part. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, is this a switcheroo? Oh, okay, wait. This is false advertising. I thought I was going to get what, and now you gotta, i got to do all this work. Well, the, the truth is, what you prayed about a few moments ago, those needs, absolutely, that's, that's the desires that God wants to give you. He wants to meet our needs over and over again. In Old Testament and New Testament, we read of God's desires, our Heavenly Father, to give good gifts to his children, both, both physical blessings and financial blessings, but also not just to meet our needs, but to, to raise our view. Because we get so busy that we see what's in front of us, but here's the beauty of this passage. When we start to delight ourselves in the Lord more and more, he helps us understand there's some awesome desires out there that we haven't even thought about. Scripture says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So this is, this is not uh, some gotcha moment. This is, hello, hello, wake up, because I've got even more desires to give you than you even thought about, and they're going to be more of a blessing than you can comprehend. That's the good news here. So this could be a long sermon if we talked about all the desires. We just want to talk today about three. But there are three that are pretty powerful and pretty consequential especially as we walk into a season like Easter. So as you hear these today, be thinking about the loved ones in your family. Be thinking about the impact here in Sandusky County that we here at this church at Journey could have, let alone 
all the believers across the area. So first of all, heaven smiles when we desire uniting in Christ. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is clear God has like a weak spot. He has a soft spot. Whenever his children get unified about him, he can't hold himself back. He, 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 is, he is physically unable to restrain his glory. He's, he's unable to, to hold back his blessings when his children decide that they want to get on the same page about worshiping him. It's, it's just a law that you see at work. In the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, this is when the children of Israel were being led by the priests and they were taking the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And they decided, finally, they understood it was important after all these years of divisions and disobedience, for this day, it was important and for them to come together. And what do we see in these four verses in 2 Chronicles 5, starting in verse 11? It came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, because all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves, and they were keep and they were not keeping to their divisions. Now, what the parentheses is here that was normal that they would be in divisions, but today they they realized we've got to be all together. No divisions among the ranks of the priests. And verse twelve and thirteen go together. The Levites were the singers, those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brothers. They all stood at the east end of the altar. They were clothed in white linen. They had cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And with them there were 120 priests who were playing trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass that the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments and the music and the song. And they praised the Lord. Now, let me just put a comma right there. Have any of you been in a school orchestra before, a band, right? Have you been in choir, right? Have you been in church, part of the praise team before? Right? Any band, any group of musicians understands it is no small task to get everybody in the group on the same page, right? We're talking about just the trumpet section. I was in the trumpet section in school. Let me tell you, that was, that was not an easy thing to do let alone the clarinets and the trombones and the percussion. That's what they had here. They had all the music, and they were all on the same page. But guess what? The music, the singers, they were also. Everybody was unified that day, and it caught the attention of heaven because as they got together, look what they said. God is good, and his mercy endures forever. God, in, God is good, and his mercy endures endures forever. Think about it. The world, you know, we, we weren't alive 200 years ago or 1,000 years ago. I suppose people will have some stories when we get to heaven about the difficulties and divisions that they had to overcome. I know there's been bloody, bloody wars throughout history. And largely, thanks to the sacrifice of men and women over the decades, we've been protected from that on a relative scale compared to the rest of the world. We get that. At the same time, everybody around the globe is talking about the divisions. And it's almost every issue, it doesn't matter. It seems like especially true for us. Whatever the issue is, immediately there's going to be two camps. It's all like what one thing could everybody agree on? You'd think they could agree, and nope, we're gonna fight over the pandemic. Nope, we're gonna fight over what to do about this and what to do about this. 
what a tremendous testimony it would be for a county like Sandusky, for a country like the United States, to see a group of people who decided they were going to understand what the secondary issues were and leave them there, and the primary issues were going to keep them together to the point that they would never break ranks in unity. And that's what this passage talks about. Every single person in this room, you all seem like smart people. You really do. I look, can look out of here, and I can tell you vote exactly like I vote. I can just tell that. You're very smart. You probably feel about all these issues the same way I feel about every, I've got it all figured out. I will tell you afterwards, by the way, if you want to meet in the lobby. Everything. Of course, I'm kidding. But here is the one thing that unites every beating heart in this room, without exception. Where would you be? Where would you be? Where would I be were it not for our good God whose mercy endures forever? We have caused more than anybody else on the planet to be unified. God looks at us like we look at our own children, like we look at our own grandchildren. And I can, I can promise you as my wife and I are about to enter that stage, we believe by the end of this year as our uh, son and his wife in uh, another state have told us they're going to have, what is it called? Oh, identical. Identical twin boys here in the fall. So we're going to enter the grandparent stage. And let me just say, all of you better like what I post on Facebook because for decades I've been liking your stuff. All right? And so it is time. <laughs> don't tell me I'm overposting. I don't care. But it doesn't matter what our children are getting paid. It doesn't matter what the doctors are saying about them. It doesn't matter how relation. What's most important for parents is that their children are together, that their children are unified, that their children like each other or act like they like each other. Grandparents feel the same way. That's, that's what it's all about. And when there's division in the ranks of children or grandchildren, it, it just breaks the hearts of parents. And so you can imagine how our Heavenly Father feels when his children, who should be united about the mercy of God and his mercy that endures forever, still find a way to let their differences keep them apart. We see this in the New Testament as well. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one accord, in one place. When the disciples got together, God poured out his glory, just like he did in the Old Testament, with tongues and fire, and they, they had an amazing move of the Holy Spirit. It happened again in Acts chapter 4, after the apostles were released from, from being arrested. They prayed together, and the place was shaken because they prayed with one voice. I didn't make the rules, and you didn't make the rules. If you want to see the favor of God continue to be outpoured, and it's already happened here. You guys would not be at the place where you are. You have been unified. You are unified. Fight for your unity. Never, never, never let anything come between the hearts here at Journey Church because God has been good. His mercy endures forever. God is good. His mercy endures forever. Nothing else matters because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Can you say amen? Heaven smiles when we're unified in Christ. Secondly, this morning, heaven smiles when we desire reaching the lost. This is not some mystery. God abundantly shared it in the word that he gave to us. 
Heaven smiles when we desire reaching the lost. What does Luke chapter 15 say? These are three stories back to back. It's interesting in the New Testament how many things happen three times. It's almost like God knows sometimes we don't get it the first time around, right? So many stories in, in Peter's life, for example. How many times did he deny Jesus before the rooster crowed? How many times after Jesus was resurrected, he asked Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. How many times was the sheet let down from heaven in Acts chapter 10 as Peter had this vision about reaching the Gentiles with the power of the Holy Spirit? Three times, over and over again. And here we are, we see three stories. Jesus told the same story three times. That's Luke 15. He just changed the characters. He didn't have to change the characters, but they're the exact same story. In the first story, it's about a man who lost a sheep. Luke chapter 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder and he's rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls all of his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep that was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Did you guys hear me, Jesus said? Well, let me tell you again. All right, this time we'll talk about a woman. That was about a man. Now we'll talk about a woman. Verse 8. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, Jesus said, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I'm not going to read the third story, the prodigal son. You already know that. It's the same scenario, same recipe. What was lost has been found. And don't miss out what Jesus said in verse 7 and what he said in verse 10. Not only is that man happy, and not only is that woman happy, I tell you, there is joy all over heaven. The angels rejoice over every single sinner who comes home. Heaven smiles when we make a priority out of reaching the lost. Heaven is already smiling at the plans and preparations and the prayers that Journey Church is exerting just for what's happening in the next week, let alone what you do all year long. Now, this is, of course, about the lost around the world. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, but has anybody here not got up close to that amazing global map in your lobby? That is like captivating. If you just walk by it about 10 feet away and say, oh, I've seen those maps, that's pretty. It is pretty. Have you been up close to see the intricacy? That is artwork right there. It will draw you in. Kudos to that. And of course, then all the signs of the missionaries around the globe that you faithfully support. Absolutely, it's about reaching the lost around the world. Be watching for a new emphasis that's coming out. So exciting on reaching the billions of Buddhists and Hindus. There's going to be a targeted emphasis across our whole fellowship. There's 280 of us here in Ohio churches, but across the nation, there's 13,000. And we're going to start beating this drum. We've been working with Muslims around the world to reach them. And in the coming years, there's going to be greater attention to the Buddhists and the Hindus, many of whom are right here in Ohio and right here in our country. And yes, this is about the lost in Ohio. 
This is about the churches that you have planted. Do you realize that? You guys have planted churches. You have financially sacrificed to bless new churches all over the state, and we are so grateful. Our church planning director for Ohio, Aliana, was just here a couple of weeks ago. And it's also about the lost right here in Sandusky County. Nearly 60,000 people. I was raised in southern Ohio, and uh, this is a big city, Fremont is, compared to where I grew up. Sandusky is a big county compared to the county where I grew up. 60,000 people, most of whom need Jesus right here where you live. Can we commit to making heaven smile by absolutely not allowing any misinterpretation about our priority for reaching the lost? Pastor Ken mentioned my wife introduced her earlier. Bridget works with our women across Ohio, but a few years ago, she was working at our conference center, Heartland, down in Morrow County. So you all own a 400-acre beautiful, beautiful camp and conference center. And man, uh, COVID is, uh, according to our schools, uh, they are back now at our camp, and the churches are sending their kids in record numbers this summer. It's, it's amazing what's happening to Heartland. A few years ago, before COVID, when my wife was working there, every, every day she would come home after groups were there and we'd just chat about who was there. A lot of our churches and sometimes churches that were not part of our tribe. And this particular day when she came home, um, she wasn't in any mood to talk. And that was really strange. In fact, it wasn't until the next day that she could even think about talking. She was like traumatized. Like, what happened? And she said, oh man, we've never seen anything like that. It was, it was a group of Christian men, all men, and um, some of you have been on a cruise before. Uh, anybody been on a cruise, right, once or twice? I've been on one, and I remember distinctly um, l discovering all the different types of people who take cruises. There are people who go there to enjoy the warm weather, and people who enjoy seeing new sights, and people who go to gamble, and people who go to see the shows, and other things. And there's also a group that specifically goes for the purpose of driving the cruise lines into bankruptcy because of how much food they intend to eat uh, from sunup to sundown. Because the food is offered 24-7. You've all heard that, right? So it's, there's buffets and restaurants, and it's all in the price, so there's no limit. There's no reason not to eat. And then when you get back to the room, you can pick up the phone, and room service comes 24-7. It is nonstop if you want it. I think some of those men showed up at our campground that weekend because they came with eating on their minds. And for breakfast, for example, they went through the buffet, which by definition means there's more if you want to go back. So you don't have to put all three and four servings on one plate at one time, but that's exactly what they did. They were stacking the pancakes and the bacon and the eggs so high on their plates, going back to their tables and wolfing it down, which was in and of itself enough to cause jaws to drop. But the kicker was, the hard thing for our staff to, to handle was that the people who were done with all of that were then going back into line and they were cutting in line. There were still men in the group who hadn't been through the first time. And these people had already consumed more than they should have probably and they're going right back to, to the line and they're cutting in and they start fighting. They physically start pushing and their elbows and they get into it with each other. I'm here. I'm getting my food. All right. Imagine that story. Now let's change the slide. Now we're going to bring a new slide out. 
And imagine this slide is so big that the screen here can't hold it. In fact, this screen has to go from wall to wall and ceiling to floor. It's so big because it has so many dots on it. Every little dot represents a man or a woman. A man or a woman across the globe. A man or a woman throughout history. I mean, how many billions and billions of dots would there be? And they were arranged on a percentile chart. And zero was over here and a hundred was over there. And some of you know what a percentile chart is because you get that with your children, right? They go to school, public schools, send out a report a couple times a year. Children love it when their mom and dad get that percentile uh, assessment. It tells parents, here's how Johnny is doing compared to all the other students in his classroom in English. Here's how Susie is doing compared to all the other students in her class when it comes to math. But then it takes it out to the whole school district, and then it takes it out to the whole state of Ohio, and they'll do a percentile. So Johnny is at about 80%. 20% of the Ohio students are doing better than Johnny is in English, but 80% are not doing where he's at. Susie's at 83% at when it comes to all those things. That's how you know what a percentile is, and so you look for that. So you and I, who've been to not just any church, we've been to Journey Church. We've been going to church for years, many of us. Some of us in this room, we've heard thousands of sermons, not hundreds, thousands we haven't just sung a few songs. We've sung thousands of songs. We haven't just been in a few prayer meetings. We've been in more prayer meetings than we can count. We've been on missions trips. We've traveled the world, some of us, to, to see the good things of God. And imagine if the title on this slide was called, Has Tasted and Seen the Goodness of God, the Lord's Buffet. Has Tasted and Seen. I've got news for you. If you've never thought about it, compared to all the other people who are alive today, compared to all the people who've lived throughout history, even if you just started coming to church recently, our dots are all up there at 99%. Maybe some of us are 99.1 and some of us are 99.4, but compared to the, many of them have never even heard the name of Jesus, let alone a sermon, let alone a worship or a prayer service. And they don't even get started about beyond these corporate gatherings, just what God has done in our lives individually. He saved us from our 99 whether that surprises you or not, that's just the truth. So how would it look like in heaven's eyes, having been through this buffet a couple times, in my case a couple thousand, when there's still people who need to come for the first time, and I hop up from my seat and I belly up to the bar, and hey, how you doing? Back off. I'm here for more of what I like. Because I like church the way I like church, and I like money to be spent the way I like money to be spent. And I like song. I like tapping my toes to certain songs and not so much to others. And I like this, and I like this, and I like, I like, I like. You don't mind, do you? Hold on a little longer. What would that look like to heaven if I do that, if my heart is that way? And, and because of my preferences, I'm prohibiting some people from coming up to the first time to taste and see. Well, see, here's, here's how good God is. He's never interested in leaving our dot at 99 or 99.1, if, if that's even a thing. <laughs> God is so good that when, when, when he helps me understand that, and I realize, oh, well, I, I could serve. I don't, I don't have to always receive. I could actually help to serve. 
I met Doug and Maggie today who serve at the coffee bar. Man, they do a great job, don't they? There's people here who serve in children's ministries and serve in missions efforts in so many areas, greeters and ushers. It, it, let, me, let me just tell you this. I want to prepare you now. Maybe next Sunday, when you, if you don't get here right on time, somebody might be sitting in your seat. I know, I know. It happened to Bridget and I last year. I was down in Florida at my mother's church, and I went early to save her a seat. And so I was about right where that gentleman in the green, nice green sweater was, and I was waiting for my mom and her brother to come. And before they got there, an elderly lady started coming down the aisle from the back, and she was looking right at me. Oh, do I know her? And she, uh, with her cane, she was heading right where I was sitting. And, and then it dawned on me, oh, I've heard about this, but I never met anybody. Is she going to? Yep, yep, yep. So I was ready for it. She said, are you planning to sit there? And I said, well, um, she said, well, that's my seat. And I said, oh, oh, by all means, you can have this seat. And, of course, we moved down some other place. I was so happy. I was not offended because I'm a preacher. And I realized, ka-ching, that's sermon illustration material. I was so thankful. <laughs> Manna from heaven. Of course, that's an easy one to talk about. But there's all kinds of things we can all do, especially people like me who've been coming week after week for years and years and years, and we don't know any better. God wants to bless us and bless others. If you want to have fun in church, find a way to serve. Find a role to start working in the kitchen to make those pancakes. That's, that's the funnest job of all because you get to see what happens when your investment changes lives. You can have my seat, absolutely, pastor. Preach the way you need to preach. Let's do anything we can do in Sandusky County to get these lost and hurting souls to find the best news they're ever going to hear. Heaven smiles when we prioritize reaching the lost. Heaven smiles when we unite in Christ, when we reach the lost. And finally, heaven smiles when we desire loving one another. Meg, could you come on up and help us as we close? Heaven smiles when we desire loving one another. Acts chapter 2 is a great passage. It follows what I said earlier about the Holy Spirit coming down when they were in unity. They just kept loving each other. Here we are at the end of this chapter. In many respects, I feel like this is what we're seeing here at Journey Church. If nothing else, Let's praise the Lord and recognize the incredible miracle that's happening right in front of our eyes. Verse 42, they continued, the church did, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear, respect, holy respect came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I read an email from a pastor few days ago here in Ohio, so far a hundred healing miracles have been recorded at their church just in 2022. All who believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and their goods. They divided them among all. Lord, we've got bills, we've got needs, but I trust you. If my supply isn't you, then I'm lost to begin with. Lord, Take what I have. Help us, Lord, to be generous. They sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. They continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness. We got that part down, don't we? <laughs> and simplicity of heart. 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Folks, it's beyond words. As you can imagine, there's, there's some challenges that happen in some of our churches across the state. And so, yes, there's a lot of challenging work involved with helping people. I need, I need help. Everybody needs help. So I know when I walk into a place like Journey and I see what's happening here, I know it hasn't been easy. I know there's more sacrifice than I can even comprehend to get you guys to where you are today. The way you have linked arms to say we value more than anything else what God wants. Can I just say that as good as it's been, and it's been awesome, you've only just begun. I think you've only scratched the surface for the outpouring of God's presence, the outpouring of God's miracle changing power what has happened already is for the history books it's amazing but it's just a foretaste of what's to come and I pray that you are ready for that I pray individually as a family as small groups I pray you are ready and hungry Lord whatever you want to do however you want to use us to bring healing and change to Fremont. To, if it means we've got we've to do this, or you already know what it's like to sacrifice. You already know what it's like to be inconvenienced. Small price to pay for one more soul, one more family, one more broken marriage, one more man strung out on drugs, one more atheist who's just given up on God. If we will be unified, if we'll prioritize reaching the lost, if we will love one another, then strap your seatbelts on because whatever it is we've seen so far, it's just a little fraction of what God wants yet to do. What did Jesus say in John 13? He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So uh, it's not a suggestion, not a good idea. It's a commandment. You have to love each other. And there are days when it feels like I have to love other Christians because sometimes I just want to rattle a few cages. But then I remember they got to love me too. (laughs) We have to love each other. Jesus said it was so important because if you'll do that, the world will know that you're my disciples. Why is that? Because, Because the world doesn't know what it's like to see people who love each other so genuinely. It catches their attention. Something miraculous happens when you and I love each other. The opposite is also true. If we don't love each other, if we're just as dysfunctional and and just as angry as as all the people that they're like, well, why do I need that? I've already got enough dysfunction. There's something supernatural that happens when believers in Jesus choose to obey this command to love one another. And then Jesus also said in John 17, as he prayed, he said, Father, I don't pray just for your children that we have now, but I pray for those who will also believe in me throughout history because of the preaching of the word. He was praying for you and me in those moments before he was arrested and tried and crucified. And he had a why. Why? I pray that they will all be one as you, Father, and I are one. You're in me and I in you. I pray that they will also be one in us, unified in us, so the world will know that you sent me. 
If we love each other, did you catch that? Fremont will know who we really are. Oh, they'll get it. If we're unified, Sandusky County will know who Jesus is. It sounds like you and I finding a way above everything else, all of our opinions, to stay in love with each other. No matter what you might see people doing in the world or even sometimes in churches, if we will fight for our unity, if we will never take it for granted, it's not just a good idea, it's, it's transformational. Fremont can't help but know who we are and who Jesus is if we will love each other in unity. It's that powerful. So don't let anybody ever just tell you it's like holding hands and skipping through the daisies. It's powerful. It's life-changing when we love each other. It's life-changing when we prioritize the loss. It is life-changing when we are unified in Christ. Sounds like there's a lot at stake, but it sounds like God has already smiled upon this congregation in more ways than you can even count. I'm going back to Columbus today so encouraged. I hope you understand how ultimately blessed you all are with what God has done here. It's, it's inspiring to see your devotion, your sacrifice, and your commitment to keep going, to keep going, because there's one more sheep out there. There's one more prodigal son, and I'm believing with you that next week and Mother's Day and Father's Day, there'll just be an influx of broken people who are finding what you have found, and that's hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you today for the opportunity to gather in your name, to worship, to lift high the name of Jesus. The opportunity we've had to lay hands on each other and pray to, to do what we read about in Scripture. Saints lifting up one another, helping to meet their needs. Thank you, Lord, for taking today's offering and, and blessing missionaries around the world and, and church planters and, and missions and needs right here in this area. Thank you, Lord, for the vision that you've given Pastor Ken and Carrie and all the leaders to make this a station of healing and hope in such a dark and hurting world. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We know it is just the beginning of what you're about to do. We pray for a mighty influx of souls next week and for healing to happen in families, in schools, in workplaces, in nursing homes, in hospitals. We pray all over, not just for Fremont Journey, but for all the churches that call upon the name of Jesus. We pray that the gospel will go forward in power and that healing will come through your matchless name. Thank you for your smile. We do not deserve it, but we thank you for it from the bottom of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. You know, really, as I was sitting there, I was thinking about how he did such a great job of painting this biblical picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And maybe you've been sitting here this whole time and maybe you've had a resistance to Jesus, or maybe not necessarily to Jesus, but to those who follow Jesus because of the issues that he brought up. Maybe for you, you've resisted becoming a Christian because to you, Christians are all political, divided. Maybe the only Christians that you've experienced are angry. And this morning, as Pastor John is talking, maybe there's a, a desire inside of your heart of, if that's what it means to follow Jesus... I think I'd like to know more about that. I think I'd, I'd like to give my life to him. See, we believe that Jesus came to this earth, the Son of God, 
that he walked among us, healed, performed miracles, loved, taught, but ultimately he on it of his own accord gave his life to take upon himself our sins and our punishment. He died on the cross for you and for me because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. But the good news is on the third day he rose from the dead, proving that he has all authority and all power that he can change your life. Maybe you've looked to other things to bring change. You've tried other groups, you've tried other faiths even. Jesus can change your life. He can bring the purpose and the hope that you've been looking for. He can bring the forgiveness for the shame and the things that you've done in your life that you're so deeply regret. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, to be the master and leader of your life, we don't want to wait until next week to give you that opportunity today. Maybe you need to respond. Say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be a part of what that means to love and to reach out, to do what you've called me to do. I want the purpose that you have for me. I'm going to ask you to all across this room to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm not going to belabor this, but maybe you're here this morning and you say, that's me. Or maybe, maybe you follow Jesus and you've just reached this place of recognizing he's not really the leader of my life kind of relegated him to the back seat of my life. I've been calling the shots. I've been trying to do this thing on my own, but I recognize I'm, I'm creating disaster after disaster. I need Jesus. I can't do this. I need him. I need his power. I need his, his forgiveness, his life. If that's you, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up or call you forward. Actually, in a few weeks, we'll have baptisms where we'll publicly confess our faith in Christ. But if that's you, and you say, Ken, would you pray for me? I, I need to give my life to Jesus. Or, Ken, I'm coming back to Jesus. I, I need him to be first in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Yeah. At least four or five of you. Anybody else? Come say that's me. Yeah, I see you back there, too. Yeah. You can raise your hand after you've lowered it. Anybody else? Listen, Pastor John said earlier that when one lost son comes home, a celebration like no other celebration happens, a party like you've never experienced, even back in college. There's a party like you can't imagine. If you raise your hand, I just encourage you right underneath your breath right now, would you just pray just a simple prayer? It doesn't have to be complicated. Jesus. Have mercy on me. I've sinned against you. I recognize that you are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You were raised from the grave for me. Forgive me. Be the leader of my life. Empower me to follow you. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to follow you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those who raised their hands. I thank you that even now you are doing a work in their lives. Your word says that when we receive your grace, that you adopt us into your family, that we receive your spirit. And so we thank you that this isn't just, this is, this is the beginning of a journey of actually actively following after you. So thank you for what you're doing, Jesus. Amen.